Thanks, guys. Y'all are too kind, too, too kind. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, as always, I'm excited and honored to speak to you this morning. Uh, during the season of Lent 2021, we started a daily podcast as a church. And during that podcast season, I walked through the Lord's Prayer in one of my episodes. I heard someone do something similar about a year or so prior to that, and it really impacted me. And so I just kind of put together my own version of that and did that on the podcast. And from that podcast, I was asked then to start teaching through that um, each season for, uh, through CLA. CLA is our City Leadership Academy. It's our place to grow leaders. Pastor Jim is the leader of that. And we really just want to teach teach people how to lead themselves, how to lead others, and lead a team. And so in that season, I have been coming the last few seasons to teach through this. And when I knew I was going to speak to you today, and the topic of choice was wide open, I couldn't shake the idea of continuing a version of this with you this morning. Um, but I'm not going to lie, I fought it a lot. Um, I fought it quite a bit. Um, first of all, the wide open nature of like the topic it was just like, hey, pick whatever you want to pick. I was like, I'm paralyzed by the choices and the options that I could that I could go with you. And just like the desire to bring this like brand new, like fresh thing, which can also be known as my ego, um, was really just ever on my mind and on my heart. And so I fought it quite a bit. But this teaching from Jesus is so, so deep and it has impacted me and my prayer life so much. Um, and so this is where we're going to live um, today and this morning. So if you wanna follow along, um, you can go to Luke chapter 11 in your Bibles or devices. You can go to cc.guide and follow along talk notes um, or it's about to be right here above me. So Luke chapter 11. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In the library of scriptures, we find what we call the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And one of the ways that we can approach these books, we find in the library of scripture different literary styles, and one of the ways we can approach these books are biographies. We have four biographies of Jesus, and I find biographies fascinating. The life story of another. If it's someone that I um, admire, then I'm asking, how did they do it type questions? Did they get up early? Did um, they know at a young age what they wanted to be, what they wanted to do? Did life circumstances sway them from their goals, or did it make them even more focused? And this is what we do. We read biographies to get a good story, yes, but we also read to learn to emulate or to go the opposite direction, depending on who it is that you're reading about. And this is one of the ways that we can approach the Gospels. One of my favorite authors from one of my favorite books, John Mark Homer and Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, said this line that I'm about to say to you, and it has been something that I have come back to time and time again in my life, um, and especially my spiritual formation. And he said this, if we want the life of Jesus, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. 
We look at Jesus, we look at his life, his practices, his rhythms, and we put that life into practice. It's the way of Jesus, the way he lived his life, the way he interacted with other people, the way he taught, the way he discipled others. We look at his way and we make his way our way. If we believe everything that we say we believe about Jesus, that he is God in flesh, then we must believe that he knows best and we put his way into practice. And we read the scriptures in this way. We read as a form of apprenticeship. To read as a disciple means we are reading for a purpose. It's not stale, but active. And so today we look to Jesus. We look to him as we do in every other part of our life to learn what does it look like to live your way? And what does it look like in this context today for our topic today, what does it look like to pray your way, Jesus? We find this prayer in the Gospel of Luke and Matthew and from our text today in Luke, they come up on Jesus as they have, I'm sure, many times before and he is in prayer. They wait till he's finished at least, but then as disciples, as learners, as apprentices, they ask him, Jesus, teach us to pray. Because as we know, we can read in the gospels that this was a constant and consistent rhythm in Jesus's life. This was something that he constantly slipped in and out of prayer, in and out of time with the Father. And the disciples knew that this was something they were going to need to know. They saw in Jesus something that was missing in their own life. And when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he wasn't showing them to pray more or to pray harder. He was teaching them to pray differently. You see, the disciples didn't not know how to pray. They prayed, they knew the mechanics of prayer, they knew how they had been taught to pray their whole lives, but obviously they had never seen anyone pray like Jesus prayed. The intimacy, the power, and the clear fruit that came from this kind of prayer. I also love that Jesus, that this question was answered so directly by Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed this in reading through the gospels that Jesus basically never answers a question directly. He's asked a question and then he'll like go into like four chapters worth of stories. And then by the end you're like, wait, what was the original question again? I don't even really realize, which is just like masterful teacher Jesus, the most intellectual person who ever walked to the earth. Like that's the wrong question. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take you on a journey and give you the actual answer of what you're really needing to know. But he never answers a question directly. But this one, he's asked, teach us to pray. And he says, when you pray, say these words. Like it doesn't get much more direct than that. That's something that we definitely need to pay attention to. And today that prayer is the most universally known prayer among any religion. And it typically goes by the name of the Lord's Prayer. And we're gonna walk through this prayer today and we're gonna look at the words and we're really gonna look beyond the words and into the framework that those words open up for us in prayer. I'm gonna be honest with you, we're not gonna get past the first two lines because we only have so much time on, on a Sunday. But my hope and my prayer is that these first two lines and really the foundation that these first two lines give us will open something up inside of you that you on your own time will leave this place today, that that foundation that we're about to build would spur something inside of you and would open up more as we learn about the prayer and you can dig into it in your own life and own time. So here we go. Teach us to pray is what the disciples ask him. And in direct response, 
Jesus just starts praying. Our Father in heaven. Our Father. This is not a new concept for us today in today's church culture. Referring to God as Father may come with a lot of baggage depending on your childhood experience, but it most of the time has a really surface level meaning for us because it's so common, because we hear it all the time. But calling God Father doesn't feel out of place or unknown to us today. It may feel cheesy. We may try to find like a more, a deeper, a more intellectual way to reference God, but it's not a curveball to hear someone call God Father. We're not taken aback by that, but for the disciples, this was anything but ordinary and dismiss- dismissible. Our Father in heaven, where we yawn at that, they gasped. The temple in the first century church was the training ground for prayer and the temple had taught them to pray with the utmost reverence. But what was most common in that time was reverence without intimacy. Prayer to a God that's mighty in power, sure, but difficult if not impossible to know. Jesus was bringing us into a different way to connect with the God of the universe or better put, bringing us back to something that was original to creation. And we want to know what is original to creation. When we want to know creational intent, we go back to the beginning. We go back to Genesis. And can I just say, there is so much more to this story than talking snakes and magic fruit trees, all right? This, my family, is a deep, deep well. And I think we could literally come back to this, the Genesis story, every single week with no matter what the topic is that we happen to be preaching about because this is the human story. And in it holds the story that we all walk over and over and over again in our lives. And it holds so much truth for us to dig into. But today, for today, just one quick lesson. During the famous temptation of Eve, the serpent, as we know, is crafty. And the lie that he tells her, the lie that he gives her, is not an outright lie. It's the best kind of lie. It's the one that has bits of truth in it. It's a deception. Slight adjustments, slight add-ons, an emphasis on certain words, it's a chipping away at trust, a careful crafting of language to cause doubt. And here is one of the things that happened in this exchange. In Genesis 2, God repeatedly calls himself, or is called, Yahweh Elohim, which means Lord God in English. But then in Genesis 3, every time the serpent refers to God, he is just called Elohim, which keeps the title, but drops the personal name. It's kind of like me needing my husband. I'm in the kitchen doing dishes. I'm needing some help. He's in the other room. And when I call for him, I'm like, pastor, could you come help me please with this? That's weird. And that never happens. Okay. Just so you know, little glimpse. It's calling someone uh, by their title instead of their name, calling someone doctor instead of Meredith. It's respectful, but distant. And the more intimacy in a relationship, the less likely that you are going to refer to them by title. Again, our kids do not call us pastor. They call us mom and dad. And the serpent, just by the title that he uses, suddenly shifts the framework of how Eve thinks about God. Again, it was respectful, but distant. Mighty in power, definitely, but hard to know. And can I really trust that this God that is distant from me, that is hard to know, can I really trust that he knows what's best for me? Can I really trust that he cares for me? See, original sin is not about broken rules. It's about broken trust. 
And when Jesus prayed, our Father, he, he was restoring this ancient deception. He was, was restoring the rupture in relationship that was caused this, by this distance lie that was placed there by the serpent. When Jesus was on the scene during his time on earth, walking the earth with his disciples at this time, the question for the Jewish people wasn't one of does God exist? It was, is he knowable? Is he personal? The power of God and the stories of that power had been passed down generation after generation. They knew the Old Testament stories by memory. Clouds by day, pillars of fire at night, the parting of the seas, the plagues, the miraculous deliverance from our oppressors. And Jesus did nothing to diminish the power of God, but Jesus did make that powerful God knowable. And it sounded a bit like our Father. And it was scandalous. We brought our youngest child into our family through adoption, and he was 14 months old when we brought him home. And when we were preparing to go to India to bring him home, uh, we went through a lot of training, a lot of process, our um, social worker helping us through what it was going to be like, what India was going to be like. And one of the things that we were preparing for was attachment and what that would probably look like. Obviously, he's 14 months old. He has never met us. We are not mom and dad to him at the beginning. And so what is that going to look like? And they began to prepare us for all the things that we might see and experience. And one of the things that they said was that it's very likely that he will just attach to one of you in the beginning. And so um, he will attach to one, and it will take some time on the other. And they prepared us that it would most likely be me that Micah would attach to. Because up until this point in his life, Micah had been around very few, if any, really men in his life. Maybe just a few interactions here and there with doctors and things, but everyone that has been taking care of him for the first 14 months of his life were women that were in his orphanage. So they were like, he will probably take to you, mom, and then it will take a little while. And when we got to India, they were absolutely right. That's exactly how it happened. He was like, I like you, dad, but... I need you to keep your distance, all right? So you can make me laugh, but be like couple arms length away, okay? At the time, Bodhi's beard was like really big and long and kind of bushy, and it was like, I, you make me laugh, but that thing on your face, I'm not really sure about all of that, all right? So he wanted me to take care of all of his needs and all of the things, and so we got through India, we got home, and it was still just kind of a struggle this attachment to him. And it didn't happen as quickly as we wanted it to. And we were trying really hard. And I knew it wasn't gonna last because if you know Bodhi and I and you've been around us both, you know that he's the fun one, all right? I have other skills, but being fun isn't necessarily one of them. And especially at that age that Micah was like, he's the favorite, this is not gonna last very long. But it took a while. And there was one particular day, and this is like a famous story in the Sanders house. But there was one day and Bodhi had been gone all day working laying tile, I was standing in the kitchen washing dishes, Micah was in the living room playing. And this particular day, Bodhi opened the door, coming home from work, and Micah stood up and said, Dada, and ran and jumped into his arms. Yes, oh, yes. And obviously, this is a moment. Like for any dad, for any parent, it's a moment, you know? But for us, it was like ultimate moment, you know, and we all just stopped in our tracks and was like, oh. and as soon as it happened, as soon as he said that and ran and jumped to his, to his arms, the Holy Spirit just so strongly and so clearly spoke to my heart. And he said, look at your son. 
your son that didn't even know what it was like to have a father just a few weeks ago now knows that when dad enters the room, the atmosphere changes. Now, it may not be scandalous with us here today calling God Father, as we've already pointed out at the beginning, but this concept of intimacy in prayer is one of the biggest roadblocks in prayer. How can a God that holds everything together, the world, the universe, my very breath, be interested and intricately involved in my life and want to commune with me through the conversation of prayer? Can this all-powerful God be all-loving and personal? And Jesus untangles this with the opening words, our Father in heaven, powerful and personal, a knowing that the presence of the almighty God, when he walks into the room, everything changes. The atmosphere shifts, everything changes because he is a powerful God, but also I can run and I can jump into his arms because he's Abba, he's my Abba. Is this what our prayer life feels like? Is this what it looks like? Because that is only the first step of what these first two words of this powerful prayer does for us. Starting with this realization not only untangles the deception of who God is, it at the, at the same time untangles the deception of who we are. See, Eve didn't just forget who God was and his character, she also forgot who she was and who she was to him. When we know God as our father, we at the same time let him restore our identity as child. In the New Testament letters, we as a community of believers were very rarely referenced as Christians. We were only referenced as such three times in the Bible. And a term that was used for Jesus followers often in the early church is beloved. That title came from a poem called Song of Songs, and it is for sure the most scandalous book in the Bible. And the most common view is that this is a poem of Jesus's pursuit of the church, his bride of us. Song of Songs names us beloved. And we see a, a glimpse into the relationship of the Trinity when heaven breaks open at the baptism of Jesus and God the Father says and speaks over Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this is the core of our identity in Christ. I am beloved, you are beloved. And prayer is the place where that identity, our belovedness is formed and fueled. And we find that identity and intimacy in prayer and through prayer it is fueled and grows deeper and deeper and more robust. Brennan Manning writes that he would begin every day repeatedly praying, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. A line taken from Song of Songs, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. Manning believed that God's desire for you and I could best be described as a furious longing. Our Father is the place in prayer where we discover the God of love, our God that doesn't just love, but is love. We discover that love over the entirety of creation and that includes you and me, his beloved. A few weeks ago, some uh, city music people came to my house and we were gathering together just to get together um, for um, 
you know, fellowship, but also to write some songs and to workshop some things that people had been uh, working on. And so uh, at a, a certain point, we kind of, few of us got our guitars out, not me, I don't play the guitar, but a few people that play guitar um, got the guitars out and it's like, hey, what have you been working on? What have you been feeling? And Kyle Sirk, um was on bass today. He had a, just a little verse and chorus that he had been um, singing, that he had been singing over himself and his wife and their family as a prayer over the last season of their life. And it was just straight scripture taken from De- Deuteronomy. And the verse said, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him. And we begin to sing that and sing that over and over and process that. What does it mean to be beloved? Um, Pray that, sing it, and just kind of let it do what it's going to do. And after a little bit, Marcellus said, what about this? And he began to sing what is now the bridge of this song. And he said, I am beloved. I am beloved by you. You are my blessing just to be known by you. And we began to sing that in my living room and just like all of us one by one catching on to the melody, catching on to the harmonies and singing it in our living room and it just filled our living room and it was a moment. It was beautiful. This love song, really, this exchange. I am beloved, I am beloved by you. You are my blessing just to be known by you. Henry Nouwen says, every time you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you beloved, you will discover within yourself a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. It's like discovering a well in the desert. Once you have touched wet ground, you want to dig deeper. When we call God Father, we at the same time remember that we are his beloved. And as he sings over us, as he sings over us our identity and we realize what that means, we have this beautiful opportunity to sing back to him as we realize what being his beloved means. This is the blessing. This is the blessing, this exchange, this relationship, not earthly material things. I am beloved by the God of the universe. I am beloved. This is the blessing. One last thing about these first two words of this Jesus prayer. It's our Father. When we first remember the powerful and personal God that we are praying to, and from that place, he lovingly reminds us that we are his children, his beloved, we are then reminded who we are to each other. Our Father. We are siblings, brothers, and sisters in the family of God. This is one of the reasons why I love to join with our Catholic brothers and sisters in calling this prayer the Our Father. It's a new practice for me, but I love it. As clearly stated by the length of the sermon already, and we're not even really through the first two words, um, it really sums it all up. It's the foundation upon which the rest of this prayer rests is on these first two words because we so easily forget who we are to each other. We so easily forget the Imago Dei of others. Um, Hello, basically every social media platform today is actively trying to get you to forget that the other person across the screen, they have the Imago Dei. They are made in the image of God and prayer is a place to rediscover my identity and also the identity of others. Again, from Brennan Manning, If I'm not in touch with my own belovedness, then I cannot touch the sacredness of others. Our Father in heaven, 
and the movements of that line, I can remember who God is, I remember who I am, and I remember who we are together. So much of the way of Jesus is found in remembering. We are commanded in scripture to remember more than we are commanded to do or not do any one thing or even to pray. Because I'm sure, as you all well know, we tend to forget. I get so caught up in life that at the center is Rachel. I am the lead in my very own play and I've got co-actors and actresses and extras and side characters and I get lost in the fact that I'm not the center of this thing. I forget that I'm not the main storyline, that I'm just a piece of a beautiful ongoing story that started long before me and will continue long after me. And prayer is the place where our memory is restored. And so much of our memory can come back to us through the full realization of those first two words, our Father. And once we have that, once we remember, then we can turn towards awe and wonder and adoration. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to make holy. The first two lines are a reminder of intimacy and this line is a reminder of his holiness. A reminder that you are God and I am not. Once we remember, our posture turns towards giving honor to his name, making holy his name, exclaiming the greatness and the glory of who he is. And why do we need to start there? After we remember, why should we start there? Does God need this? Does he need all of us constantly reminding him who he is and telling him who he is? Absolutely not. Because as I have already stated, I forget that I'm not the center. And if I do not start with hallowing his name, all of the things that I'm already hallowing in my heart will be the loudest. My ego, my own fame and glory, my accomplishments, my concerns and worries, When I hallow his name, I am moving out of my own perspective of the here and the now and into his perspective. As I hallow, I remember how other he is, how outside of all of the things that bog me down, how outside of all of that he is, how above he is. And my prayers from that place, from his perspective, they begin to shift. So often when I'm trying to worship, when I'm trying to pray, whenever things, I just feel like, when there's an obstacle in my way, when there's things that are happening in my life, it feels like I can't see past this thing. It's too big and I don't know how to go around it. I don't know if I'm supposed to go over it or around it or through it. I can't see past what is going on in my own life. But as I hallow, my perspective shifts and I heard it said a long time ago, it's almost like I'm I'm laying on the ground whenever I'm so overloaded. I'm laying on the ground with my face turned to the side and I'm so overloaded. But as I hallow, I begin to stand up and what to me looked like a mountain was actually an anthill. And I realize that's a little cheesy, but it stuck with me this, all these years. So there you go, you can have it now, okay? But it's true, okay? It's true. As I hallow and my perspective begins to shift, the cares and the concerns and the worries and the to-do list, they all find their proper place. It's not that they don't belong there in that place with me in prayer. Yes, bring all of those things, but they, as I hallow, they find where they actually fit. See, before that, they're so big, I can't think of anything else, but they all begin to find their proper place as I hallow his name. Hallowing his name reorders my attention. 
and my affection. You may have heard the phrase magnifying the Lord. That's what this is, magnifying the Lord, assigning to him with our voices and our attention and our affection the highest place of honor in the space. Magnifying the Lord. He's already the biggest thing in the room. It's just a matter of, is that what we're looking at? Is that what we're giving our attention to? Is that what we're giving our focus to? And so we give him the highest place of honor as we magnify his name. So what we're really talking about here is praise. Praise meaning saying or singing about who God is. Praise is prayer set to melody. It's what we do each time we gather together in this place. It's what we just finished doing. And why do we do this? It's what we've been talking about all morning. We do together, we live out these first few lines of this prayer together each and every Sunday as we gather. Through lyrics of these worship songs that we're, that we're singing and we're, and we're saying, we're remembering who God is. I remember who I am and I remember who we are together and us together as a family, we hallow his name. We hallow his name and we bring him praise. We live out these first few lines. And yes, I know, I'm the worship director. And yes, I am a bit of a worship junkie. And yes, I can get lost in worship, get swept up in the moment. It's a source of delight in my life. It's a place where I divinely feel heaven touch earth in a special and unique way. And you may think because of what you've seen uh, of me either out there or up here that it all comes easy to me. But that's not necessarily true. For as many times if you've seen me get lost in the moment and acting maybe a little bit weird depending on your background up here on the stage, there has been as many and definitely more acts of defiant praise in my life. Locking my bedroom door and putting worship on, laying face down in the carpet to just weep. Driving in the car, putting worship on, screaming out in worship as a way to say, where are you, God? Where are you in this situation? Because I cannot see you. I cannot see you working. I cannot see how this can be your way. Kneeling down here on this stage in our time of prayer as a worship team, hours before you guys get here on a Sunday morning and desperately asking God to meet me in that place before I step up and lead. Sometimes it's easy to get lost in the moment and swept up in praise, but sometimes it's an act of defiance. Praise is sometimes the overflow of our hearts, but most of the time it's an intentional turning of our hearts and our attention and our affection towards the God of the universe. I don't feel it right now, but I'm gonna hallow your name. I'm gonna give you praise because I know you're worthy despite of what I feel. I don't feel it right now, but I'm gonna kneel down so that I can pray starting with my body. I'm gonna do that first, even before I feel it. I'm gonna lift my hands before I feel it because my attention is on this thing and it's so small and I know that and I need to pull my attention towards you. And so I do that through praise and I do that through my body, embodied worship. I lift my hands and I take my mind and my soul to a place that is not there yet. And as we hallow, things begin to shift. Sometimes in real life, sometimes real life situations change. Sometimes healing happens. Sometimes that thing that I was focused on, it gets resolved in an instant supernaturally. But most of the time, 
And more often than not, we begin to shift. We begin to shift and change. Our affections and our priorities begin to shift and change. And even honestly, what we end up bringing to prayer begins to change. What I thought was so big before I started hallowing your name, you know what? I'm not even gonna mention it. Because as I hallow and as my attention and my affection turns towards you, I know you have it. I know you are in control. And we praise our way into a posture that can fully declare the rest of the movements of this famous prayer. Our desire is actually to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we can begin to intercede on that behalf because I really want what he wants. I don't just want what I want. I want your kingdom to come and I want your will to be done. And we can move into petition prayer for our daily needs and desires for our family and our neighbors because we understand that our God is not only powerful, but he's personal and he cares about your daily bread. He cares about your daily bread. Our hearts are open to forgive and to be forgiven. And we can pray a fortifying prayer against the deception and temptation of the enemy because we know the danger. This beautiful and ancient prayer of Jesus holds so much for us today. We could break down each line and make a whole series out of this prayer. But you know what would be even more powerful than that? If we all prayed it. If we all prayed it. If we let the framework of how this prayer is set up and we let it shape how we pray, let it shape our lives, if we let this practice and this prayer teach us and form us and disciple us, that's where the change happens not from us standing up here, as important as this is. And so I would like to end today praying through this prayer together a few times, letting it wash over us. But before we step into this prayer, we're gonna step into remembrance. So as you came in, you got some communion elements. If you would get those out and you can just stay seated right where you are and get those ready. God, we posture our hearts to remember. As we've already talked about today, we know our tendency to forget. So we understand that this time, this practice that we lean into every single week, it's about remembering. It's about remembering why we're here and what we celebrate, what we believe. It's remembering that, man, my storyline is not the main storyline, this, what we are about to do, what we are about to remember. This, through these elements that represent your body and your blood, this is the story that we are a part of. And so we remember today. 
we first remember your body that was broken for us on the cross. We don't just go through the motions. We pull our attention, our mind's eye to that today, our savior broken on a cross. Your body beaten and bruised for me. We remember your blood shed, your love poured out for us, your love displayed for us on a cross. The powerful blood of Jesus that covers me. We remember We remember as an act of formation, let this form us. We remember your blood. Let's take the cup. If you would stand with me this morning. As I said, I would like to end today and just pray this prayer together and me over you. I'm gonna read it uh, a couple of times just over you. You're welcome to read it with me if you want, but I'm just gonna read it over you this morning a couple of times and then we'll end by reading it all together. I'm just gonna give space and just kinda lectio um, this prayer today. So if you would close your eyes. We're gonna pull our attention as I had just been talking about, pull our attention and our affection to God. And so whatever's most comfortable for you, maybe it's putting your hands out in front of you, palms up, kneeling if you have the space, whatever, posturing your body in a way that pulls your attention to God. Let him speak over you through the words of this prayer that he told us to pray. Because I've given you some of my own feeble words this morning, but there is so much more to this and to this prayer There's so much more to this personally for you. And so Lord, open that up in our hearts and in our lives. Speak to each and every person standing here in this room today. 
as we pull our attention and our affection to you. Speak to us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As we pray it through again, maybe just pay attention to a word or a phrase that Holy Spirit highlights specifically for you that you can dig into later or that he has a word for you right now even. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you. 
one last time. Well, let's all say this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, we love you and we give you all the glory in this place. We thank you for this beautiful prayer and this formation practice that you have given us. And God, I just thank you so much for the kindness of the opening words. That before we do anything else, you wanted us to know that you are Father and that you are for us and you are good and you have our best interest at heart. And so when we doubt that, may we go back to those words, our Father. God, I just pray for new and refreshed prayer lives in this place this morning. May your work in our hearts ignite something today that carries out beyond just Sunday morning, that carries into our week and into our day-to-day life. I thank you for it, and I'm believing you for it, for myself and for each and every person in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. If any of our prayer team, um, our elders are in the place, if you would come on down to the front. If you have something specific that you would like um, to agree with someone in prayer over, um, that is what these lovely people are here to do. And so you can find one of them on your way out and um, they will pray with you over you this morning. Um, Don't forget, if you're a first-time guest, stop by the welcome room across the way and pick up your fruit pizza slash tart, whatever you would like to call it. Um, It's out there and it does look really yummy. So stop by and get one of those on your way out. Let's end with our mission statement and go live it out. Wherever you are, Be be the gospel. Have a blessed week.